Hey, good morning. Welcome to Mornings with Mac. And I hope you've got a copy of God's Word. And you'll look with me this morning to Psalm 41. I'm going to say that again. Several of y'all last couple of days, maybe I've not made it clear. I'm in Psalm 41 this morning. This is the Beatitude of Mercy. Um, it's a great, it's a moving psalm. And I've got to give you a little bit of the background, which is familiar. When you go through the Psalms, you'll discover David draws on a couple of experiences in his life that are major, that seem to be an underlying current in a lot of the Psalms. One was when he was running from Saul, uh, when he was hiding from Saul, when his life was in danger. The other was the Absalom rebellion. Um, those two events figure so large in the life of David. He goes back to them again and again and again. This is Absalom's rebellion. Uh, that's the background. That's the context of this psalm. And David is struggling now with people, uh, with his being merciful to people. And David was. David was a good man. Doesn't mean he was perfect. Doesn't mean that he didn't sin. He certainly sinned. Um, he was human like all of us, but David was a merciful man. I think that's one of the reasons why he was a man after God's own heart. That's why God said that. Um, but then some people were so unmerciful to him. Uh, have you ever seen that uh, work out in life, how somebody is so merciful to people and yet one of the outstanding things about their lives happens to be how unmerciful other people are to them. Uh, how well they have treated some, how well they have treated people, and yet there are some people who treat them just horribly. Well, that's David's life. That makes up this psalm. And I'll show you, I'll show you a little bit of the struggle of David here. You remember Amnon was the son of David. And Amnon fell in love with his half-sister, Tamar. And he eventually plotted to uh, get her and rape her, and he did. David did not enact the law of Moses on Amnon. In other words, he did not put him to death because David couldn't get beyond the fact he had done basically the same thing to Bathsheba. He had sent for her, brought her, seduced her, took her, and that constantly was a reminder to him, his past sin. David constantly struggled with the past sin in his life. You may be struggling with past sin. David struggled with past sin. Listen to this psalm about the mercy of God. Now, here's the other thing. Absalom, in fury, goes and he kills his brother Amnon. David doesn't do anything to Absalom. He doesn't enact the law of Moses on Amnon uh, to put him to death uh, because David had done the same thing to Uriah. So you, you get the background of this whole thing. And then I'm going to tell you one other thing. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, the first four, ver, four, first four verses, I'm having a hard time talking this morning, um, is uh, 
where Absalom goes into the gate and he sits there and he catches everybody that comes in with a case, with a complaint, with an issue, with a problem. And he says, oh, if there was anybody uh, to just hear your complaint, you, why don't you just tell me? You come and complain to me. Tell me all your upset. And he takes it and he twists that against his father, David. Now, there are some scholars, some Old Testament theologians that believe that those verses indicate David was not hearing cases because David was suffering from some kind of illness. That all of this plot, all of this plan, all of this rebellion could not have taken place had it not been for the fact that David was probably sick at the time. Now, that's a lot of background for this. Now, I don't have any more proof of that than what I've just shared with you. Uh, I just tell you that because some noted Old Testament uh, theologians believe that David was sick, and David implies that in this psalm. So you come now. You ready? Background is so important. Uh, to, to get a grasp on this, you have to understand and do some research. You have to dig a little bit and do some work on, um, on the background. So David comes. Now let me show you what he's going to do. This psalm is divided into three parts. Poetry is like that. Uh, the first uh, three verses are David's instruction. Uh, verses uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine are David's prayer. And verses 10, 11, 12, and 13, I put as David's thanksgiving. Some have called this a psalm of thanksgiving, which it ends with a thanksgiving. And um, I guess you could say it, it, it's that. So let me begin with David's instruction. With all of that background, we begin verse one. Here's the beatitude. Here's the word blessed. He uses the word blessed three times in this psalm. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. Now, let me just stop right there. Blessed is the one. This person is going to be satisfied. This person is going to be blessed. This person is going to have that inner peace, that inner fulfillment, that inner satisfaction, that inner wholeness, because they have considered the, the, the poor. Now, the word consider there is interesting in that um, it means to uh, put yourself in a position to where um, you're going to act on this person's needs. That's what the word consider means. I'm going to act on their needs. Now, the word poor there is literally the word sick or weak. It can be translated poor, you're in poor health. We talk about poor health. It doesn't just simply mean people that are financially um, hurting, people that are financially destitute. But it means somebody who is needy health-wise, somebody that is down, somebody that is not well. They are weak, they are sick, they are poor in that sense. He says, blessed when you consider, that is, you're going to help them in the midst of, of their weakness, in the midst of their sickness. Now he comes with, now that's his, David is literally talking about himself here. This is his own personal condition. Now look at his confidence. His confidence, this word of instruction about confidence, in the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. He's confident of that. David has experienced that in the past. 
You've experienced that. That's how you can look at the days to come, regardless of what you're going through now, and you, you can know, listen, God is going to be there for me in my trouble. How do I know that? Because God has always been there for me in my trouble. The Lord protects. Now, I'm just going to read this, and then I'm going to point five things out. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sick bed. Now, I'm going to tell you something about that in a moment. In his illness, you restore him to full health. Five things right there that speak of his confidence. Listen to what he says. He says, you deliver him, you protect him, you don't give him up, you don't give him over, you sustain him, number four, number five, you restore him. Those five things he says, he says, I've got confidence in God that this is what God's going to do. This is what God is going to do. He's going to deliver, protect, not give me up, sustain and restore me. Now look at his consolation here in verse three. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. The Hebrew literally states here that he turns his sickness. Here it's translated that God sustains him on his sickbed, but the Hebrew literally says he turns his sickness. That is, God changes things. God can change your situation. God can change your circumstances, but more than your situation and your circumstances, God can change you. That's the wonder of our God. He can change you, not just your circumstances, not just your situation. He can change you. Now, here's David. David is sick. And in his sickness, David is also struggling, I think, with his past sins, his past failures, his past mistakes. And what he's doing is this, is he's saying, God, consider how merciful I've been to others and be merciful to me. And David says, God will. God will show mercy to those who are merciful. Sound familiar? Matthew 5, verse 7 Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, there is David's instruction. I want to turn you now to David's prayer. That begins in verse 4 and goes through verse 10. Here's his prayer. Now, he's going to pour his heart out. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me and heal me, for I have sinned against you. Now, I want to point out three hatreds here. The first one is David's hatred of his sin. David hates his sin. He hates the thought of his sin, but he thinks about that sin over and over and over again. And so he comes and he says, Oh Lord, be gracious to me. Be merciful to me. Heal me. Why? Because I have sinned against you. David has a horror Every time he thinks about his sin, the past sin with Bathsheba, the past sin uh, with what he did to Uriah, and he hates that sin. But now there's a second hatred here, and it's the hatred of the people for David. Listen to what he says in verse 5. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die? 
When will his name perish? Now his enemies right here are not the Philistines. His enemies right here are not the Moabites. His enemies right here are not the sons of Ammon or the Ammonites or the Hittites or the Jebusites or any of those. His enemies right here are his own people. His own people, the Hebrews, the Jews. He says, my enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? Now, let me tell you, when you are physically sick, it affects you mentally. It, it produces a mental strain. You get mentally fatigued. You get mentally worn out. You become mentally weary. You become emotionally fatigued, emotionally weary. And a lot of times when you're struggling physically and you're dealing with your own past sins, let me tell you, you begin to think that everybody out there hates you. Now, for some, they did actually hate David. But you know how your mind will, will behave. You know how your mind will act. It will convince you everybody's out there just wishing I'd die. Everybody out there just wants me to go on and get out the way. Everybody out there just wants me to perish. Well, that's what David is saying right here. David is saying, I've got people out there that just hate me. I want to tell you, having been in a very bad situation of betrayal, you begin to feel like everybody out there is betraying you. It just happens. That's part of the horror of going through a betrayal. Uh, and by the way, this is somewhat messianic because it reflects on what's going to happen to God's Messiah when he comes. He's going to be betrayed. I'm going to show you that in a moment. The third thing here, the third hatred here is by his own son, Absalom. He says in verse uh, six, and when he comes to see me, now we're not told who he is, but it's pretty clear it's Absalom. When he comes to see me, he utters empty words. That is, he's flattering me to my face. He's saying good things to my face. He's being positive to my face while his heart gathers iniquity. Isn't that an interesting way to say that? While his heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out and he tells it, he's back here talking behind my back. He's saying one thing to my face, but he's out here saying all of this other stuff to these other people. He's collecting people out here who listen to him and he's turning them against me. Uh, he's coming in and he's smiling and he's patting me on my back and he's talking about how great you are and how wonderful you are. But at the same time, he's going out to lunch with these people back here and he's going out to dinners with these people back here. And there in those lunches and dinners, he's talking about me. Well, all who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst. He begins to convince them. They begin to say, hey, you're right. They, they begin to say, hey, we see your point of view on this. He's very convincing. All who hate me, most people who carry out betrayals are incredibly convincing. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him and he will not rise again from where he lies. Now here comes the spiritual aspect of this and it's really kind of sick. The spiritual aspect is this, is that he's convinced them that the devil, that all that is happening to David is of the devil. Listen, uh, God's taking his hand off of him. God's not blessing him. 
all of these things are proof that the devil now is coming and is uh, doing all of this to him. Even my close friend. Now, this is not Absalom. This now is Ahithophel. Ahithophel, if you go back and read about Ahithophel, he was the close friend of David and he was his counselor. Have you ever had anybody like that kind of uh, be persuaded against you? I have. Close friend, uh, even somebody that you gave a job to, somebody that you trusted in, somebody that you went to for counsel all the time, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Now, let me show you something here. If you get over to John chapter 13, you're there in that upper room with the Lord and his disciples at this Passover meal. Jesus says this, uh, I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. You come back, you read verse 9. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Matthew, Luke, John all make reference to the fact, or Luke, Matthew and Luke make reference to the fact that Judas ate the sop that Jesus, the bread that Jesus gave him. And uh, John explicitly quotes this psalm right here where Jesus said, uh, he has lifted up his heel. One of the ones that I've chosen, one of the ones that I picked, one of the ones that I brought in, he has sat here, he's eaten my bread, and he has lifted up his heel against me. Now there is his prayer. But now look at David's thanksgiving. And it ends on a marvelous note. Let me just read this to you. And here it is. But you, O Lord, he's talking about God's mercy. He's saying, God, be merciful in your mercy. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. O God, you vindicate me. God, you justify me. You be mercifully merciful to me. Verse 11, his merciful might. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me. Here is the merciful might of God. God will not allow your enemies to have victory over you. This is his thanksgiving. God, you saved me from the one who betrayed me. Verse 12, God's merciful miracle. But you have upheld me by me because of my integrity. One commentator says that's the most amazing statement in all the Psalms right there, that God, you upheld me because of my integrity. Now, how did David have integrity when David was an adulterer, when David was a murderer, when David had lied? Because David had done this. Verse 4, O Lord, be gracious to me, heal me, for I have sinned against you. He confessed and admitted his sin. He repented of his sin. That is the whole thing about David. God restored him to integrity. God forgives your sins. God forgets your sins. And God clothes you in his righteousness. 
He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteous of God. Well, you've upheld me uh, because of my integrity. You set me in your presence forever. Here is the end. This is the end, by the way, of book one of Psalms, and it ends with a beatitude, a blessing of God. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Listen, God shows mercy to those that are merciful. David had been merciful to a lot of people. And in the end, God was extremely merciful to David. Season one, episode four, uh, Ellie comes to town. Uh, the lady druggist and poor old Emma Brand comes in and she wants her little blue pill. Now that means a different thing in our day, but for Emma Brand, she wanted a little blue pill. Um, and uh, the lady druggist wouldn't give it to her without a prescription. You remember that scene? It was, um, it was Andy was in the drugstore and Emma starts sneaking behind the counter and Andy is talking to Ellie, and they see it, and they go over there. And Emma says, if you won't give me my blue pills, I'm going to take them. And um, she had a dime in her hand. She wasn't going to steal them. And uh, the lady druggist, Ellie, would not give her the, the little blue pills. So um, Andy just looks at her. Emma walks out. He says, poor, poor old soul. She's walking crooked. And he turns around and he looks at uh, Ellie and this is what he says. He says, you don't care about seeing others suffer. He says, you go ahead with your rules and your regulations. And some of these times when you're sick and aching and can't get up yourself, you see who comes to take care of you. And Andy turns and he walks out. What Andy was saying was this. If you're merciful, you'll be shown mercy.